Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We've been walking with Jesus, watching how he relates to people. One of the most beautiful things to watch is how he walks with women through the Gospels. Um, Ladies, the Gospels, uh, not the Gospels, the Bible has been used to abuse women for centuries, if not millennia. That is not Jesus. And so today, my prayer, especially ladies, but men as well, we see Jesus in a way we've never seen him before. Because he is not, he is so much better than we can ask, think, or imagine. Mm. So um, I, I spent the week reading through the Gospels and looking at all the places as Jesus is interacting with women. And I'll tell you what, that's just always worthwhile, period. It's worthwhile just to watch Jesus, period. But it was incredible. But there was one place that kept coming back to mind. And if you have Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Mark chapter 5. There's one passage that is repeated. There are very few passages that show up in three or more Gospels. And this is one of those passages. And there are very few, uh, most of the time, you guys know the different Gospels are different perspectives on the life of Jesus, but they are told from different perspectives in the same way as if you've had multiple friends go to a party, they come back with different perspectives of what happened. If you ask a guy about the party, he'll tell you about the food. You ask him who was there, he couldn't tell you. Ladies like, yes. No, no, right? You ask the ladies and, and they might say who was there or they might tell you what drama was happening, right? Or what they were wearing. Yeah, if the woman asked the man what they were wearing, he's like, I'm fairly confident they were clothed, right? <laughs> Other than that, I can't tell you. I wasn't looking. Uh, but but the thing is, is that I love the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Marks is like uh, the action comics. Everything is action. Everything is there's just so much life to it. And um, so a lot of times, you, one of the most common words in the book of, Ma- of Mark is the word immediately. <laughs> it's like, boom, 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 boom. You know, it's like one of those, anybody like watch like an Avengers movie and you just like your head starts spinning after a while because like the camera shots are too fast. That's Mark. Mark's like, oh, boom, 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 boom. So when Ma- Mark slows down to look at something, we probably should pay attention. And Mark slows down here. All right. so. Verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So he's crossed over the lake. What lake? Oh, Gennesaret. Oh, somebody gets like extra star Gennesaret. Yeah. The Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. It's this lake, if we can pull up that map. It's this lake. It's we talked about this before. It's uh, you know, uh, like eight miles wide, thirteen miles long, and yet has mo- some of the most psychotic weather on earth for any small body of water. Hurricane level uh, winds, thirty uh, thirty foot waves. I mean, it's insane. And uh, due to some of those things, and so why does Jesus keep bothering to wa- go across a, a lake that's so dangerous? So you get to, it's like the chicken crossing the road. Uh, 
Let's get faster. One way is to get, get alone with his disciples, get away from the crowd. In some ways, though, God is not a respecter of the things the world respects. The rest of the world avoids this lake. He's like, woohoo! <laughs> I'll go for a walk on it, right? I'll go, oh, I want a good night's sleep. I should go out on that lake, right? This is the way God, God looks at things absolutely other than the world. That's what we're called to be in the world, but not of it. And so he's come across to the other side of the lake, but where's he coming from? How would I know? Read earlier. It's not complicated, right? But so what's happening beforehand, if we can pull up the next map, is you guys remember he he was on the waterbed, sleeping in the boat. The storm comes up. Ah! The disciples are freaking out. And what does Jesus do? Jesus freaks out with them, right? Jesus does what? Peace be still. The storm rages. Jesus is calm. So then they get to the other side of the lake and they have a bunch of, they have uh, these two demoniacs. And does Jesus freak out? Cast out the demons. The people are, they're set free. And then the people, what do the people do? They freak out and want to get rid of Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He leaves. Is Jesus freaked out? So Jesus, they're freaked out. You see this common thing. People freaked out. Jesus chill. Stay with that. It's almost like he has the fruit of the Spirit. Anyway. And so he gets into the boat, and this is where we end up. Verse 22. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus. I always thought it was Jairus. I have no idea why I got Jairus as a kid, but it's Jairus, apparently. Or it's actually a form of Yair, which that makes it easier. It means enlightened one. Uh, Anyway, Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Okay, so there's this crowd of people. Everybody's gathering around Jesus, and the guy with the most to lose, the guy who is most intimidated by, affected by Jesus' ministry, does what? Falls down at his feet. How would you describe that behavior? Humble? Radical? Huh? Desperate? Honest. He needs help and knows it. Respectful? In this culture? Okay, if you're, for those of you who are from Eastern Europe or Russia, what do you not touch outside? The ground. There's a good reason. In an agricultural society, what is on the ground? There is yuck. That's why it was such a big deal when Jesus washed their feet. You do not. If you want to see a Russian mother scream at their child, get that child down in the dirt. Get out of that dirt! We don't know what's been there! So what happens is, this man says, I don't care. Desperate. Humble. Vulnerable. Not caring what others think. What would make a man do that? What would it make a man who spent his whole life trying to be respectable, respectable, would get throw it away completely? It's a good question. 
Verse 23, he pleaded, begged earnestly with him, lost all dignity. My little daughter is dying. My little daughter is dying. Now, to you and I, this makes sense, right? A good father is going to love his daughter. I have bad news for you. In that part of the world, daughters were seen as a liability, not as a benefit. As something that you had to somehow get some value out of by some means possible. They were going to cost you money in a dowry. They were not seen as valuable. In fact, women in one of the rabbis in Jesus' time said, I would rather burn the Torah than teach it to a woman. Or another one would pray, thank you, God, that you did not make me a woman or a Gentile. Praise God. But Jairus threw all of that away and said, my little daughter. Please come, put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. Vulnerable. No agenda. I mean agenda, but not no control. Just Jesus, please. So Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So she has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. And yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So... What she was suffering from was called uterine hemorrhaging. It has many different sources, but in their culture, all of them resulted in a couple things. One, shame, and the other was uncleanness. In other words, so what do I mean by shame? When somebody had a sickness in the ancient world, the doctors assumed one thing. They assumed the gods were mad at you. They assumed you screwed up somewhere. They assumed you sinned. They assumed you had a problem. And then, they proceeded. Anybody been to a doctor and they're like, I don't know, let's try this. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? You're like, I'm paying you money to just try this. Of course, the side effects, uh, side effects include blindness. What? <laughs> what? Are we playing battleship here? But their battleship was, how about we drain half the blood out of you and see if that makes you better? I'm losing blood. Well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Here, she's being violated over and over again. She's being shamed. The whole community is talking about what she might have done. But not only that, but this is in the place of her grace as a woman to bring forth life. The very thing that should have been a blessing has become a curse. You guys remember in, in uh, Genesis 3, after the fall, there's this conversation where God says, basically, if you want to do life on your own, I should tell you what it's going to look like. Because you were never meant to do life on your own. You were only meant to do it in me and through me. And what does he say to the man? He goes, man, it's going to be a tough road to hoe. You're going to be breaking rocks, bro. You're going to be out under the sun and it's going to be, you know, you know, blisters and, and sweat. And you're just going to, you know, you're going to sow wheat and get thorns. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's not great. What does he say to the woman, though? He goes, whoo, first of all, the enemy's going to be mad at you. The devil's going to be mad at you. 
The second thing is, what does he say? He says, you're going to, but you're going to defeat him. That's awesome. But the third thing he says, he goes to, he says, he says, you're going to have pain in childbirth. The very thing that was meant to be joy is now shame and pain. Shame and pain. And he said, and then he said, and your desire will be for your husband. He'll be Lord over you. I think that's a funny thing. I was like, what does desire mean? No, anybody, if you're reading the Bible and you don't get questions, you're not reading it right. Okay. I'm just saying, if you, oh, I understand. No. So, so I was like, I don't know. I don't know. What does it mean? So here's the, I will say this on the surface of, well, I'll, let me back up. I'll do that first. So what I'll say with that is, and anybody noticed? I, it's so funny is uh, I always have this funny thing is women think more about what men are thinking than men ever thought. I, I always, it cracks me up when ladies are like a guy and a woman are dating and the women get together and they go, okay, let me tell you what he's thinking. You're already wrong because you assumed thought was involved. That's why I think it says he, her, your desire will be for him and he'll be like, huh? <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, but this word desire, it's a funny word. It only occurs two other spots in Scripture. One is in uh, chapter 4, the next chapter of Genesis 4.23, where it says that Cain was mad at his brother and was contemplating doing something horrible. And God says to him, Cain, sin is crouching by the door and desires to have you. Craves you. Needs you. Wants you. Okay, so this obviously craving thing, it doesn't sound good, does it? But there's another spot where it occurs. Song of Songs 710. I belong to my beloved, and his desire is for me. See, our desire can only be fully met in him. It can't be met in another. It can't be met. We were never meant to be slaves to one another. The same thing about giving birth. You were never meant, ladies, to be slave to your children. Some of you are like, yes, that's the best news I've heard all week. <laughs> Anytime your life is hidden outside of you in the hands of another, you are dead. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So why Paul says your life is hidden with Christ in God. His desire is for me and my desire is for him. The thing, when the blessing becomes the end in and of itself, I become its slave. And what was meant to be a blessing becomes a curse. So here we have, here she is. She is in the very place of what was meant to be her blessing, the deepest desire of her heart. And it has been turned to public humiliation and shame. In, her, in that society, because uh, under uh, the law, Leviticus 12 and 15, it says that if a woman, when a woman is on her period, if she has any discharge, she is unclean for seven days. Now, ladies, that might sound really harsh, but that was actually a, a side benefit in the ancient world. I'll tell you why. In the ancient world, they flipped everything upside down. And in what was to circumcision, the reason why they did circumcision is because they worshipped, what, male power? They also saw a woman's uh, period, the blood coming from it, as a thing to be used for magical purposes. 
Wouldn't that be wonderful, ladies? <laughs> like, I mean, it's one thing to go from shame to, okay, we don't need this kind of attention. I'm good. That you gain power through it. No. See, the pain and all that was never God's original intent. And so in some ways, it was also with hygiene, it was a way to give her some space. Anybody need some space? <laughs> Ladies like, yes. yes. Guys, by the way, figure that out. If you are living with a woman, figure out when she needs space. Just saying. It saves a lot of trouble, right? No. And so, but one of the other things with uterine hemorrhaging is it usually results in completely out-of-whack hormones, where it comes from. Imagine 12 years living with completely out-of-whack hormones, in complete pain, complete shame, completely isolated, every man seeing you as a disease, and everybody trying to figure out what you did. When anybody here... um how do I say this? You have, you, hmm. okay, imagine if you will, you have something in your life that causes you shame and you think everybody is looking at it. Maybe it's your schnoz. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Anybody had that? Like you have one pimple and you're like, everybody notices. I think they stopped church to stare at my pimple. I think church is canceled because of my pimple. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. You're like, you walk in, it's like spotlights. Ah, right? No, no, no. But it, it makes you self-aware, and then you start to perceive offense where it isn't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. They just didn't want to talk to me because. But let me just tell you right off the bat. Anybody notice that when I'm talking to people, I'm zeroed in and I'm super focused? Anybody notice that? Don't ever get offended if I don't see you, if I don't notice you and I don't say hello to you. It's usually because I'm zeroed and I'm super focused. It's kind of like what the doctor says. If I don't be bored, don't be bummed if you have to wait to see me because I'm going to spend as much time with you as I spent with them. Right? But anybody, when you're really feeling a little bit um, wimpy, you find offense everywhere. Nobody? You know what I'm talking about? So imagine how much fear she has of other people at this point, right? She's probably afraid to go out into public 12 years feeling like a pariah, feeling like the problem, feeling like the issue. But what does she do? She braves it. She braves it. Do you know vulnerability is the most brave thing you can do? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. <laughs> Why? Why do you think she came up behind him? What do you think? She was embarrassed? Huh? She didn't want to be called out? She probably was like, right? She didn't want to be recognized. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now, many have made a lot out of this. Uh, in that time, they a lot of times they, the rabbis would wear prayer cloths, and at the edge of the cloak, there were knots, according to Deuteronomy, and these knots were tied in a pattern that spelled the name of God, Y-H-W-H, in numerical things. But it was considered 
in the in under the law, if a clean person touched an unclean person, what happened? They're unclean, right? Do you guys remember what happened in the first chapter of Mark when Je when the leper came to Jesus and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean? What does Jesus do? He touches him. Does Jesus become unclean? No. She doesn't know this about him. But she's just thinking the one place considered clean that you could not sully, you could not dirty, was the name of God. So the idea was, I won't make him dirty. But if I can just touch him, the hem of his garment, if I can just touch it, I could be clean. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Imagine her hormones came into alignment. She suddenly, anybody had that where you've been in a fog forever and all of a sudden you can see clearly? <gasps> and at once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. Before I'd walked much with Jesus, I was like, what is that like? Shazam! You know? <laughs> no. Anybody here, you're praying for someone and you feel something? Yeah, that. <laughs> you're like, huh? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes, anybody had somebody get healed and you didn't feel anything? Yeah. It's not, the power is not in the feeling. <laughs> but sometimes you feel. In the same way, we don't make a whole lot about the, the knots on his cloak. We don't make a lot about the field. We just go with it. It's not about those things. He said, and he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Oh, my God. What do you think her first immediate reaction was? Her worst nightmare has come to pass. I and everybody knows I'm unclean. And now I've touched the rabbi. Now, on top of that, what would have to happen is he would immediately have to leave, go into isolation for a while to get clean, according to their ritual laws, right? So she's not just getting called out. She's ruining the party. She's everything. It's violated it's Jesus. Violated Jesus. <laughs> I know you think you're good. You're not that good. But listen, you can imagine Jesus in that moment confronts her deepest pain, her deepest shame, her deepest issue. What a jerk. Because he, I love the line of the Orthodox, he entered hell and filled it with himself. You, I, I love it. The disciples answered, uh, you see the crowd against you? Uh, and you're asking, who touched me? Jesus goes, yeah, I'm asking. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Do we remember somebody else who did this? Vulnerability, humility, desperation, gratitude, hopefulness, not having the answers. Trembling with fear told him the whole truth. Gwen talked about that. Many of us, we have places in our heart that nobody knows about. Places in our lives nobody knows about. And we're terrified that others might know. But do you know vulnerability is in the whole truth? 
Vulnerability is in the whole truth. And so, because he can only, he is a God of truth. He can only deal with the truth. No hiding in him. Remember, that's what got Adam and Eve in trouble. But, <laughs> and he said to her, daughter. daughter. Isn't that interesting? That's our second daughter today. Daughter. Beloved one, precious one, the one I care for, the one I look out for, daughter. Your faith has healed you. We talked this before. Faith is not belief. It is trust. It is trust. If you get, you know, you it's okay, I'm in. When you go for a surgery, do you trust the surgeon? Well, you do. If you're under the knife, you do. I don't care whether you feel like, oh, I like you. You look like a nice guy. If he cuts you open, you trust him. See, trust isn't about feeling. It's about, I'm all in, God. I, I don't know what else to do. I'm all in. I trust you. I put my weight on you. And he said, go. So, so in the past, I would have like, your faith heals you. So how much faith do we need? Uh, 47, 93, what is it going to take? Anybody done that math? Do you know what I'm talking about? How much faith do you need? And Jesus goes, faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not about how much, it's about in whom. She didn't manipulate to get her healing. It was her desperation. And I go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That word suffering, it's like scourging. It's like whips. The all of the shame. Why did Jesus, do you think, highlighted this so publicly? Any thoughts? How could that be good and not just some sort of further traumatizing abuse? Telling the story to the whole crowd and removing her shame in front of the whole thing. The very place where she had been isolated and demeaned, she has now been isolated and elevated. She is now the revelation of God's glory, not the revelation of this world's shame. She is now the evidence of God's goodness. She's now, everybody's like, oh my gosh, how did you do it? Was it like three fingers or four fingers? Or how did you do it, right? Tell me the technique. No, suddenly he has taken her shame and it's turned to glory. That's what he does. He only does that with shame because it's the weak things that he uses to confound the wise. It's our weakness that he fills up with his strength. It is those things that are not that he makes those things that are. But how often do we hide those things, don't we? But those are the very things he uses to reveal his goodness and his love. Come on. Yeah, as we were talking about this uh, passage this morning, I was just overcome just by God's heart. Ooh, for everyone who feels invisible, for everyone who has been crying out for things for years and hasn't, you know, just feels like, God, are you even there? Are you even listening? Is it even real? Um, 
So I felt like just to press in for some words of knowledge, and it's not the words of knowledge for you to jump up and like wave your hand. <laughs> uh, it's for you can come to us later if it's or the prayer team. Oh, the prayer teams, yeah. If it's like reveals your heart, but I feel like the Lord wants individual people to know those, especially those who feel invisible or like an area of your life that feels invisible. Or you've tried to make invisible. That he sees you and that he's moving on your behalf and that there is hope. I feel like hope is the word. I feel like that woman had no hope. Right? She, like there was no more hope. She has gone to the end of her road and there was nothing else. Spent all her money. And I feel like Jesus is saying, just wherever you are, whatever area in your life where you have come to the end and there is no hope, that there is hope. There is hope today that he wants to touch you in that area, in that question, in that pain. In that shame. Oh my gosh. Um, so this word, he was like, it's like so not the word I would ever release here. <laughs> but I feel like the Lord was like screaming um, in my heart this morning. I felt like it's for someone who had an affair 15 years ago. And you've been like stuck there. Like you've repented, you've you know, whatever, done all the steps, but you've been like, you've disqualified yourself and that's where you've been stuck. You believe he doesn't, he can't come near you. He doesn't love you. It's not true. He sees you. He loves you. The, the, the 12 years is significant for several of you. You lost it all 12 years ago. I don't know what it is. But that losing it all became the defining characteristic of your life. You are now a victim. You are now robbed. You are now hurt. You are now, you are now, that is not who you are. He wants to remove your shame this morning. I also saw a picture of someone who keeps having dreams of dying, of death, and to almost to the point where you just want to die. And I just break off spirit of death off of you right now in Jesus' name. I, I really believe that colitis and Crohn's, those are just, they're, no, they are not your identity. They are not who you are. They're not who he made you to be. His healing is here for you today. No more. No more. No more. Also, there are multiple people, because so you're not even alone in this one, but there are multiple people. You have an STD, and you're terrified. You're terrified of relationships because of it. You're terrified. The shame is so great. It's no. He is your healer. He is your healer. He is your healer. You are not your shame. I also feel like there is, um, it's also for multiple people, but for someone specifically, it's like breakthrough today. Um, it's you had an abortion and that's where you've been stuck. Like 
you, it's just messed you up so much that you haven't been able to move on. Emotionally and physically, but you think you deserve it. He paid for that. He paid on the cross for that. And in fact, um, the kids that you had after that are, have stuff going on with them, and you attributed to the abortion, and all of that breaks in Jesus' name. Yeah. You're, you, you feel unable to fully love and give yourself. And he wants to release your heart today. Also, I feel like, oh my gosh. Just for all of those who've been molested as children, I feel like he's just saying, I see you. I see your pain. Yes. Yes. And I want to take the pain and the shame and heal you. Yes. Yes. Particularly, there are those of you who have physical problems as a result. He's like, that's not your portion. I died for that. You are not what has been done to you. Vulnerability is the most terrifying thing in the world, and yet it's the way that God, we touch, we are touched by God, and we, God touches us. If you want electricity to pass through from one wire to another, you have to first remove what? The insulation, the outer cover. Vulnerability. Vulnerability is not manipulation. Vulnerability is desperation. It's not a method. It's not a system. It is simply, it is desperate hunger. For some of us, we need to give ourselves permission to hunger because we spent all of our energies attempting to numb the hunger, to turn off the hunger, to turn off the desire, to turn off the hunger, the desperation. No, that's where he meets you. <sighs> While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Some of you, that's what you feel is the death sentence over whatever situation. It's too late. We don't know the God of too late. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, what? Don't be afraid. Anybody found that's all he almost ever says? When we're freaking out, don't be afraid. Just believe, trust. Remember faith? Same word, same word. According to your faith, by your faith, just trust me. Take my hand. Let's keep moving. What did Jairus have to do at this point for his daughter? What does he have to do? Believe, stay the course, keep walking. 
When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion and with the people crying and wailing loudly. Back then they actually hired mourners, professional people. So there were probably some people there, they had heard she died and they wanted to get in there early to hand out their business cards. Anybody you're suffering and there's people who are like, I'm a professional at this. I will help you go to hell. I'm with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, this is my, this is my gift. No. And he went in and he said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, only asleep. <laughs> Jesus, you don't get out much. Why did you wake me? It's just a waterbed. You obviously don't know storm. Trust is saying, I think I know, but I'm going to choose what you say, not what I say. If all your thinking has brought you to a place where you have no options, Merry Christmas, here's Jesus. But you can only receive his perspective if you give him yours. And they all laughed at him. After he put them out, all out. <laughs> that must have been fun. That just really must have been fun. But here's a question. What did Jairus have to do at this point? Believe? He had to say, remember, he spent his whole life trying to become respectable. What's he doing right now? He's offending the entire village. He's offending everybody. Listen, if you want what he has for you, you can't be kowtowing to everybody else. You know, at that point, all he has eyes is for his daughter. He's like, get out of here! After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And other, other gospels, yeah, I mean, uh, it says he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he went in where the child was. Now, what did I say? There's a, a rabbi will not touch a sick person. They won't touch a dead person. <clears throat> and they won't touch a woman. And they won't cross the street to look at a child. Because children are valued. What does Jesus do? He took her by the hand. Now, how much faith did this little girl have? Because <laughs> that's the thing is, sometimes we hear, oh, her faith made her well, and we're like, well. <laughs> Again, it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's not something you work up. Did you see Jesus healing her this way? <laughs> no. Takes her hand. Same voice that said, peace, be still took her hand and he said, Talitha kum. I love that they remember exactly what he said in the language, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Time to get up. Time to get up. Isn't that beautiful? Do you feel the tenderness? Do you feel the gentleness? See, Jesus doesn't fight death. He brings life. We don't fight. He doesn't fight the storm. He brings peace. He doesn't, he doesn't fight stuff. He brings stuff. Immediately, immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. 
as this, they were completely astonished. I would imagine. And he gave strict orders to post it on his website. He gave strict orders to cause their vulnerability to be seen by all. No. He gave strict orders to not let anybody know about this. And he told them what? Give her some deed. She's been dead a while. She's hungry. <laughs> the same God who cares to raise her from the dead cares that she's hungry. You don't have to fight for your pain to matter to God. Whether it's just you're hungry or you're dead. He cares. It's not a competition. Your pain is not a competition. Maybe you heard a word of knowledge. Oh, I ain't got something that bad. <laughs> Do you matter to him? Does your pain matter to him? If it's been 12 minutes or 12 years? Yeah. We can have the worship team come up. He is the God of all hope. He is the source of hope. He is the one in whom we hope and which we put all of our hope in. He is the one on whom we rest. He is the only one. And it's vulnerability. When I say, not my way, but yours. Lord, I lay it down. I'm quit hiding. Quit quit giving offense. Quit giving a, a pain and judgment a voice. And I choose to say, you, God, you are my only hope. We can stand. Father, we worship you. We come before you with hunger, desperation. Lord, all of our attempts to numb the pain have only left us dying all the more. All of our efforts to try to get free have only left us more bound. All of our efforts to hide it only lead us more violated. Enough, Lord. We don't know what the answer is, but we know it's you. So, Father, before you we come desperate.